0: Been listening to the Chat GPT podcast. Make sure to rate us wherever you listen to your podcasts and have a fantastic week. If you are looking for an innovative and creative community of people using Chat GPT, you need to join our Chat GPT creators community. I'll drop a link in the description to this podcast. We'd love to see you there where we share tips and tricks of what is working in ChatGPT. It's a lot easier than a podcast as you can see screenshots, you can share and comment on things that are currently working. So if this sounds interesting to you, check out the link in the comment. We'd love to have you in the community. We hear all the time that Chat GPT and all of these different AI models are trained on an enormous corpus of text data. But what exactly is this data, right? A lot of people have. Um, you know, come up with different things like, oh, it's like a third of the internet, or it's 90% of the internet or 80%. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about what exactly is inside the black box known as ChatGPT, Google, Facebook, all of these different AI companies that are training uh, their AI models on data, we're gonna be talking about what exactly this data is, what's inside it, and like, what are the actual websites? This is an incredibly interesting podcast, in my opinion, and you're gonna to wanna to listen close because um, other than just talking about the specific websites, it's gonna give you a really good idea of why ChatGPT and all these different AI models are really good at some things and not really good at others because you're gonna be able to, we're talking about what goes into them and it's gonna kind of give us some ideas about why it says some of the things it says. So first off, a lot of this uh, that we're gonna be talking about is coming from some research out of the Allen Institute for AI. And they actually went and they decided to dig in a little bit into um, what's called Google's C4 data set. So it's essentially just a massive snapshot of content from 15 million different websites um, that were used to construct some of the most high profile English language AIs. Um, and so that would be Google's T5 and Facebook's Llama. OpenAI doesn't necessarily disclose what data set they're using to train Uh, the models backing ChatGPT, but we can assume it's some pretty similar things, um, and you'll see why in a little bit. But, you know, suffice it to say, this is going to be the data that's in Google Bard, um, and that is coming out of a lot of the Facebook products as well, Um, and inevitably this is probably what's in ChatGPT as well. Now, this being said, um, I would say it's important to know that of all of the content we're going to talk about today, this is um, still only a small amount of data. this is what what was essentially scraped um, in April 2019 by the company. It's a nonprofit called Common Crawl. That's for Google's uh, 4C dataset, which is using a lot of different a-, a lot of different AI just use this giant data set. Um, and so I think that while it's really huge, uh, you know 15 million websites and all of the content on them and some people call it like a gargantuan data set um, it's still, you know, it's probably about 40 times smaller than what GPT-3 was trained on. So this, while it might seem big, is actually still a lot smaller than GPT-3, and the assumption is that GPT-4 is even much bigger than this, although they haven't actually released uh, how many parameters are in GPT-4. So, um, what, what's important to know on all of this is one of the biggest content sections in this entire data set is just in business in general. So business and industrial websites, um, they made up about 16% of the entire data set. And the number one website in that was fool.com, which if you don't know, it's just like a financial um, investment advice kind of website. So um, that is kind of interesting as a lot of people are experimenting with different use cases for investments and other areas like that, uh, out of chat GPT. So not very far behind fool.com was kickstarter.com. That is the crowdsourcing, you know, raising money for different businesses and that kind of stuff. Um, below that a little bit, they had Patreon, which was a pretty, pretty big chunk of that, which, uh, if you don't know, it just helps creators collect monthly fees from subscribers for exclusive content. So that is actually pretty interesting that they were able to get the Patreon uh, list, what people are essentially selling. And I feel like between um, Fool, Kickstarter, and Patreon, that's kind of like three different industries online that, make, uh, that, that you know, process a lot of money. And so I'd be really curious to see what kind of data it gathered from that that would be useful um, in generating business ideas in general. Kickstarter and Patreon might, you know, give the AI, I think, a lot of access to different um, ideas for marketing and just like technology and just a lot of really different, interesting ideas. Um, the next biggest area behind finance that... Uh, this these models were trained on would appear to be the news so news and media accounted for i think about half of the top 10 sites overall in the entire data thing were news outlets so new york times was number four la times was number six uh, the guardian number seven forbes huffington post washington post um and so i think like artists and creators a lot of these news organizations have criticize tech companies for using their content without authorization or compensation right like essentially they're just scraping all of this kind of um, news data and a lot of these news companies are complaining about that so um, it's going to be interesting that all of those that is getting uh, sucked into this as well so I think they they found that several different media outlets uh, that 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 rank low on NewsGuard's independent scale for trustworthiness um, showed up in there. And uh, the Washington Post did a news article about this whole thing. And uh, they they specifically kind of commented on this. Um, you know, this is also interesting as a lot of these different like uh, trustworthiness or fact checking organizations have come under scrutiny and have also themselves had a lot of flack. I think overall online, um, a lot of people don't really love the whole fact checking going on beneath posts uh i I noticed on twitter that's mostly been replaced with community notes so just allowing anyone to go um and uh you know if a community creator is ranked high enough then they'll be able to post like a high quality link um disputing a specific claim uh, which is kind of interesting because that in a sense democratizes it away from uh, i think in the past a lot of fact checking websites um were selected essentially by routers or other organizations and uh people complained about um who got to pick them yada yada so i think uh uh, democratizing a little bit was good in any case um washington post wasn't happy that uh russian state-backed news site rt.com and uh was included in the list of media outlets and also they were complaining that Breitbart.com, which is a right-wing news uh, opinion website, was on there. Um, it's kind of interesting, uh, regardless of anyone's political opinions, right or left or whatever, I think it's really important to have um, news from different perspectives and all this kind of content. It, it's kind of a big debate in AI. You know, people, um, I, a lot of op- opinion pieces on the Washington Post uh, specifically talk about you know, like, why would we have untrustworthy training data put into this, Um, you know, that's going to propagate bias and propaganda, misinformation, all that kind of sort of, all that sort of stuff. I actually think it's pretty important to have a wide variety of opinions, you know, false and real, um, that this is trained off of, because these represent the opinions um, of a wide range of people in the world. And, anyone that says their opinions, uh, their biases, because everyone has biases, um, that theirs are the exclusive right ones, uh, lacks a lot of perspective, obviously, because uh, people have a lot of different opinions and a lot of different perspectives. And I think it's important to kind of encapsulate all of that. And you can pick what you believe or what you don't believe. But, um, you know, I, I, I saw, a, you know, the Washington Post in that same article was complaining that there's like a list essentially of words that get blacklisted. So if one of these words is in an article, it doesn't get added to the, it's not supposed to get added to the training data. One of those words was swastika. Obviously swastikas uh, reference Nazis and Hitler and all that kind of bad stuff. Um, But they were complaining that the word swastika still showed up in this giant uh, training data set over 75,000 times, even though technically it was a blacklisted word. And um, that kind of got me thinking that... um, it's i feel like it's not a very good idea to have completely blacklisted words even though obviously swastikas represent a political party that did a lot of horrible things in the world why would we want to remove that word right like why wouldn't we just want to say you know swastikas and germany are bad but obviously it's part of something that happened in history right we can't just uh erase that and hope that ai never talks about it and i think it actually is it could cause more harm than good because i think it's important to um Have these ai models uh ingest words or whatever that might be deemed bad because it's important and then you know you could train and tell them obviously swastikas and uh, nazism and killing people is horrible but i think it's important that that's in there because um you know it needs to it needs to it needs to know all of those different concepts and um i think it's important that we're not just you know i get really nervous looking at how ai models are trained um, when people are trying to put any sort of bias on the model or uh, remove different segments or remove different um, blacklisted words it's ugh, it just doesn't feel very good it feels a lot like censorship and uh, I think it's fine to have all the content on there and then people can choose what they believe and uh, you know you could put safeguards in there and say x y and z topics are bad and I think that's probably what Google and OpenAI are doing here um, against the you know to the complaints of the journalists they're including words like swastika in there that obviously um could be a red flag but i'm assuming they're use they're referencing uh i would be i would hope or they have worked this in referencing that you know obviously swastika is a symbol that represents something not good right but um i would i don't think you want to just like pull that out completely because then it doesn't know anything about a very important uh you know atrocity that happened in the world so I don't see why you'd want to remove that completely. In any case, um, my uh, swastika tangent there. Um, I think one of the other really big areas that is in this uh, is religious sites. Um, I think about five percent of all the content were religious sites. Obviously, this makes sense, right? There's over a billion um, Muslims in the world. There's over a billion Christians in the world. These are you know very large percentages of the population. So I don't think that's shocking um despite some commentators i don't know having different opinions on that one. <laughs> in any case uh yeah and i also think that that's uh, really useful for anyone that would like to learn about different cultures or religions or people to have all of that different uh content on there so it's just it seems it would seem like it'd be a it's a big part of the world it would be a good thing to have incorporated into these ai models Another area that seems to have made a pretty big uh, chunk up of this fifteen percent is personal blogs. So it's actually the second largest category. Sorry if I said it was. uh, What did I say it was before? I said news. News is actually number three. Second biggest is personal blogs. Um, And oh, the one other really interesting thing about this that I forgot to mention at the beginning is that. 30% 30% of all the content that is in this giant data set that's used for so many different AI models is currently not available online anymore, meaning it was websites that expired, they got taken down, people removed them, changed the URL, whatever it is. And the reason why I bring this up and why I think this is so important is because if you think about it, Google that collected this giant data set, 30% of all the content they collected is now essentially exclusive to them, right? They have Like 30% of it is gone now so they're the only ones with it and it's going to be interesting because people are um, talking about you know claiming rights to their data. Reddit recently said they're going to start charging companies to uh, train models off of Reddit which was a really big part of uh, OpenAI's data set for ChatGPT. But if companies like Reddit are going to start charging Um, this data obviously is getting more valuable and now Google has like this massive like uh, I I call it like a black hole of data like 30% of all their data is exclusively to them because it's gone off the internet but they have access to it so that's really interesting I wonder how valuable that is because no one else will have access to that data and if it's off the internet probably no one else will ever claim copyright or uh, access or like ownership of it down the line into the future Um, Another really interesting thing is that a lot of these AI models, it has been uh, said, are actually when they categorize all of the data that they're collecting, they're not really categorizing, um, a a lot of it is not categorizing the authors and different things like that because they're kind of worried about personal data that's getting sucked in, which we'll talk about in a second because there is a lot of personal data uh, that has been sucked into these models and I'm curious how that's being used or pulled out or scraped uh, or integrated. But in any case, as we were talking about, number two biggest chunk of this entire thing is personal blogs. um, And that includes a lot of different platforms like sites.google.com, which can be, you know, anything from, you know, like a Catholic preschool in New Jersey to a, you know, judo club in New York, whatever. So these are all just random things. And that's a really big chunk of this. So I think that's more than half a million personal blogs were pulled into that, which is, um, you know, representing about 4% of the total categorized tokens. So of the actual text length, a 15% of all of the sites, but 4% of the actual text that was inputted to train things on. So It's pretty interesting, a lot of this is WordPress, Tumblr, Blogspot and LiveJournal and I think this is why um, there's just a lot of different... uh, I I think this is a really important chunk because this really just gives a lot of perspective to people's feelings and thoughts around a vast array of different topics. I think that's a really valuable part to to have. Um, Like I was talking about before, a lot of companies uh, like Google really heavily filtered the data before feeding it to AI. Um, so c four, which is dataset, is called uh, it stands for colossal clean crawled Corpus. So in addition to removing you know all of the duplicate text out of the whole uh, of the whole thing, so it's not training on the same text twice,, uh, like I mentioned earlier, Google also uses a list of what they call you know, dirty, naughty, obscene, or otherwise bad words, um which is about four hundred and two words in English and um, one emoji. <laughs> And the company typically uses, uh, you know, uh, high-quality data sets to fine-tune the models. And essentially, they're just trying to shield users from unwanted content, right? You don't want to ask ChatGPT something and have it uh, cuss you out. So I think it pulls out a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, And like we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of um, controversy that goes around that. I would say from both sides of the political spectrum... um, you know i saw you know uh the washington post recently was criticizing the fact that it um that it they you know obviously we're happy it pulls out racial slurs and obscenities but um they said that they were they're were disappointed that it eliminated some non-sexual lgbtq content um by pulling out obscenities so that's their complaint about it um and then their other gripe is that it includes the word swastika so it it would seem like they would like it to exclude less things from obscenities and more things from related similar to swastika and i i just think that uh at the end of the day i don't think we're i think the less the probably the less bias or the less um fine-tuning the better we'll let the users do that in my opinion i think that's going to be the the companies that win in the end um and it would appear that uh google and open are trying to stay true to that sam altman has discussed that you know really letting people use this the way they want um obviously not making this like a horrible uh racist hellscape but um making it so it's safe but you know has a lot of variety of opinions and uh thoughts etc on there so Yeah, i'm sure we've talked about that enough but in any case uh it's really interesting if you go look at the washington post uh check out their article that they just came out with today you can look and see if your website was trained on some of this ai data Um, and it shows you the top sites which are patents.google.com is the number one website that was used here so all of the patents that have ever been written about any content which is really really interesting um, and that is not just in America, but all over the world patent documents. So it's, it's pretty interesting. All of that has been pulled in there. So a lot of really cutting edge stuff as well, um, which makes me think you could probably ask it if I was Apple and wanted to write a patent for XYZ, what would I do? That, that's a really interesting topic. I think patents, that might, be a seek, that might be like a treasure trove. That might be a gold nugget from this episode um, and from, from some of this research is the fact that patents is the biggest data set in there. And you could get a lot of content and ideas out of that. The second is wikipedia.org. Obviously, all of Wikipedia is a ton of information, open source. It's kind of the perfect data set, to be honest, for training. Um, The third is called Scribd, which is essentially audiobooks and uh, digital books. So just a lot of all of the content of books that have ever been written. Number four is the New York Times. Then they have journals.plos.org, which is science and health. They got the LA Times, Guardian, Forbes, Huffington Post number 10 was patents.com. So just more patents in there. Number 12 was Coursera, uh, which is interesting. I'd be curious to see exactly what that entails. But um, Coursera has a lot of uh, courses teaching you about a lot of different topics. So that might be why uh, ChatGPT is actually pretty good at teaching things. Uh, Fool.com for business and industrial. um, And there is a handful of others. So Really, uh, really interesting to see what's going to go, what's going to happen in the future. Like I said, uh, Reddit recently said that they are going to start charging to train on their data, and I'm expecting to see a lot of other websites do that. So I believe that the people that got in early may actually have a good advantage in a sense that they were able to get all of this data for free. You know, ChatGPT, OpenAI trained off a lot of Twitter data before Twitter shut off its API, and now we see that Elon is going to make an AI play probably training off of a lot of Twitter data as well so it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens in the future in this whole industry Um, this was a long podcast today for me you know usually I try to do 10 minute bites we're at over 20 minutes so I'll leave you guys here but I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. The innovation in AI right now is absolutely exploding. If you wanna stay on top of all the insane disruptions and innovation that's happening right now, you need to subscribe to our newsletter on AIbox.ai. We send you daily everything that is happening, the news and the crazy advancements in AI technology straight to your inbox for free every single day. So go to AIbox.ai, subscribe, and stay ahead of the curve on the world of AI. Welcome to the ChatGPT Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Each episode, we dive into the latest developments in the exciting field of artificial intelligence, exploring its applications and potential impacts on our daily lives.